Hello everybody, this is Jessica and Sadie, and we're your hosts for the amazing Rewatch, and we are starting with season four today. Season four, episode one, the original air date was May 29th, 2003, and this season was filmed between January 18th and February 14th of 2003, so it was the winter. Well, at least in the Northern Hemisphere. That seems short like that was only like three weeks yeah i guess i mean it, it's usually like 30 days so it's probably like 20 i don't know 28 days 25 days so it, yeah it would have been 27 days so 2003 was a big year i guess i'm trying to think of where i was i was in i think sixth grade yeah i was in eighth grade so when this premiered, I would have just like graduated from middle school and was about to head into high school. Yeah. And I was about to head into middle school, which is a what a rough place. time. <laughs> Actually, I liked middle school. I was such a nerd and hung out with my band friends in the band room pretty much every oh my gosh. lunch and stuff. And I had my braces that we've spoken of, I think, before. <laughs> yeah, the braces that she had for like half her life. Uh, yeah. Interesting times, but also very memorable times. I'm going to start off with some, like, pop culture stuff, and then Jessica can tell us about what else was happening at that time. So 2003 was a great year for movies. I swear we say that about every (laughs) early 2000s year. Um, I'm just going to be talking about the movies that were from, like, January to, like, mid-year, because we'll have season five next, where we'll talk about the second half of 2003. So I'm just going to do the top five movies for the first half of the year. So the top, well, this was the top movie all year, but also the top movie this half of the year. Can you guess what it was? Um, Pirates of the Caribbean? No. (laughs) That was the second. Um, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix? No. It was Finding Nemo. Oh, yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And... So Finding Nemo is number one. It was released May 30th. It grossed $339 million. I don't know how to... I don't know what that uh, means yeah, to, in comparison either. to anything else. So if anybody cares, that's what it was. The number two movie was Pirates of the Caribbean, which the, the first day... One. The first one. The day we're recording this is July 9th, 2023. It was released, released July 9th, 2003. So I saw like Orlando Bloom and people posting about... Pirates of the Caribbean mm. on social media today. The 20th anniversary yeah. today. Which that movie was seriously so like life changing for me. I literally was so obsessed with that movie. I still watch that one quite a bit. Me too. I it's love, my favorite of the whole series and I love that series. It's, it's such so a good, good one. Okay, then we have The Matrix Reloaded, Bruce Almighty, and huh. X Men X2. Okay. Those are the top five movies in that first half of the year. And then some honorable mentions from this half of the year, which we always say, like, these are the ones that we can go back and watch over and over. I mean, not this, not this one specifically, but some of these ones I'm going to say. So Too Fast, Too Furious, The Italian Job, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Always. I just watched that a couple weeks ago, actually. <laughs> Such a good one. Holes. Uh-huh. Shanghai Nights. Just Married, mm-hmm. the Lizzie McGuire movie, oh my gosh. and What a Girl Wants. 
I know. I love those. Like, 2003 is a good yes. year for movies. It was uh, a teenage, what, a teenage dream, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. A teenage girl's dream year of yeah. movies, for sure. I literally, I watch What a Girl Wants all the time. I do, too. And the Lizzie McGuire movie is so just, like, a comfort mm-hmm. watch. I love those hey ones. Now. It's so good. (laughs) Okay, music in 2003. I don't really have like dates when things were released, so I'm not going to do first year and half next half a year. We might do a recap next season to remind you guys, but we'll just get into it. So the top 10 songs. In the Club (laughs) by 50 Cent was the number one song. (laughs) 50 Cent. Ignition by R. Kelly. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Side note, I just listened to the Time Suck episode of the R. Kelly. Oh, I heard about that. He's just a terrible It's person. awful, yeah. And everybody around him was terrible. But people liked that song. Yeah. <laughs> they loved his music. Gosh, He's a bad person. I, I believe I can fly. Still just like... I know. It's such good memories of that song, and it makes me sad that it's by such a bad person. Yeah. There's some things that you can, you know, separate the art from the artist. Sometimes, maybe, I don't know. At this day and age, I don't know. But not him. Yeah, that's hard. And that, uh, The World's Greatest. You remember that song? It was, like, Mm -hmm. one of the songs for the Olympics in 2002. He performed at the Olympics. Yeah, I saw him at the opening ceremonies. Yeah. Perform that song. Did he ask you for your number? (laughs) (laughs) He, I was way (laughs) high up in the very last row, so. (laughs) You were just in his... Age group, I think. Oh, yeah, I was, what, 12? Mm-hmm. Gross. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> back to the music. Number three, Get Busy, Sean Paul. Crazy in Love by Beyonce. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. That song, because, okay, so I said that I went to high school that year in 2003, so I had just made the drill team, and we had, like, our drill camp that summer, and it had, that song came out, and it was mm-hmm. on all the time. Yeah. And you just really had radio at that time. So the popular music was like over and over and over. Yeah. And so it, we like went to the drill camp at Weber State University and we ate breakfast in like their cafeteria. And that music video, like they would have it on the TVs while we ate breakfast. Yeah. So that's the only thing that I think of when I think of that song. Yeah. it's Which is good. <laughs> I love to drill team, but Okay. <laughs> Okay, When I'm Gone by Three Doors Down, <laughs> Unwell Matchbox 20, Right Thur, <laughs> Chinky. <laughs> it's literally spelled T-H-U-R-R, Right Thur. I like the way you do it, Right Thur. Yeah. Is that it? <laughs> yeah. Miss You by Aaliyah, Picture, Kid Rock featuring Cheryl Crow, and <sighs> Bring Me to Life by Evanescence. Oh, man. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Wow. Some other songs that I remember well. So, Beautiful by Christina Aguilera. <laughs> I'm With You, Avril Lavigne. Where is the Love, Black Eyed Peas, Crimey River, Justin Timberlake, Landslide, The Chicks, and Work It, Missy Elliott. These songs are not that old. Uh, they but, see, yeah, uh, you think 20 years and then you think of that song. Like that was like 10 years ago, maybe. Yeah. And then, wow. I know. It's, re- it's weird when it comes to music. Yeah. It doesn't feel like they're that old. Hmm. But, yeah. Pretty good year for movies and music. Yep. I think we'll say that every year, but. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so my 
assignment <laughs> was like worlds and like current events that happened from January to June, July-ish of 2003. So these are kind of in chronological order. So the U.S. Department of Homeland Security begins their operation. Jimmy Kimmel Live debuts. So that's weird that he's been on for 20 years. Um, Super Bowl 37, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Oakland Raiders. The space shuttle Columbia disintegrates upon re-entry, killing all seven astronauts on board. Do you remember that? No. I was literally going to say, like, everybody talks about the Challenger. The Challenger, yeah. But I literally had no idea that even happened. Like, what? I never even... I I remember a little bit, but, I mean, we were 10 and 12, so... But why is it not as significant as a Challenger? I, I don't know. That's very sad, and I don't even remember it. Yeah. Yugoslavia was renamed Serbia and Montenegro. So that was one country, Serbia and Montenegro. And then in 2006, they separated into two, two separate countries. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that. I didn't were a, one country named. That. I didn't either. <laughs> and I thought Yugoslavia, like, was way more countries. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to finish. Well, no, that too. But <laughs> <laughs> the like, I thought that happened in like the 90s, like the oh, early yeah. 90s or, you know. Yeah. So me too. I'm surprised you didn't say anything about this person with the music because Nora Jones, I guess. Okay. She wasn't the top 10. Maybe because these songs came out in 2002 and then she won the Grammys in 2003, but she Mm -hmm. like dominated the Grammys really at the beginning of 2003. She won five Grammys, including best new artist, album of the year, record of the year, pop vocalist of the year and female vocalist of the year. Wow. While her album was, come away with me mm-hmm. and the song was what was the song well there was a song called come away with me too mm-hmm. that was my wedding song yeah uh, so <laughs> <laughs> it's a good song but it is a good song <laughs> come away with me and don't know why mm-hmm. yeah those were her big songs elizabeth smart was found after being missing for nine months i'm pretty sure we talked about her being kidnapped in the last season. Was it March 12th? It was, because that's our sister's birthday. Yeah, I remember that, like, Mm -hmm. so vividly. Um, The U.S. invasion of Iraq. The 75th Academy Awards. Chicago won Best Picture. Adrian Brody won Best Actor for The Pianist. And Nicole Kidman won Best Actress for The Hours. The Human Genome Project was completed. I don't really know much about that, but it sounds interesting. I don't know what that is. (laughs) Michael Jordan played his final game and received a three-minute standing ovation. America's Next Top Model debuts. I swear we bring that up like seven (laughs) times every season, but there's another reference. (laughs) Um, NASA's Mars rover missions begin. The musical Wicked debuted in San Francisco. Um, the first half of 2003, and then it deba- debuted in Broadway later that year. Hmm. So that one's 20 years old. Yeah. The San Antonio Spurs won the NBA championship. They beat the New Jersey Nets. Tim Duncan was the MVP, and LeBron James was drafted into the NBA in that year. And Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix is published. That's why I guess that, because... When you said movie, so the movie obviously didn't come out for yeah. like a long time. 
but the book was published in 2003. That's interesting that Michael Jordan retired the year LeBron James came in. It doesn't feel like he's been away from basketball for 20 years. Yeah. And LeBron James has been playing for 20 years. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) That's a few of the things that were going on in mostly America, but kind of the world Mm -hmm. at this time. So crazy how things change and just life continues. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah, 2003 doesn't seem like it was 20 years ago. Okay. So now we are going to talk about the teams for season four. And there's 12 of them this season. Yep. So I'm going first. Yep. So we're just going to introduce them in the order that they, that Phil introduced them in the episode. So Tian and Jere or Jere? I've heard Jere. Jere? Okay. Throughout the episode. They are friends, models, and thrill seekers. Tian is 30, so she's an actress and a singer who needs to be the center of attention, according to Dre. And she lived in Paris for six months and has traveled quite a bit, but speaks no foreign languages. She's afraid of sharks. She says that her partner Dre has the more controlling personality, while she is more free-spirited. And Dre is also a model slash actress and spent eight years traveling for work in Europe and the Middle East. She also speaks no foreign languages. They enjoy drinking. (laughs) One of their worst experiences together was getting kicked out of a bar in Geneva. And she is afraid of cockroaches. And according to Tian, she's very controlling. So They don't have very nice things to say about each other. No, they don't. That'll be interesting. Next, we have Steve and Dave. Steve is 46 years old, and he is an air traffic controller at Chicago's airport. He is a big fan of The Amazing Race and has always wanted to be on the show. So I feel like starting now, like, in season four is when people are finally being like, Yeah. I love The Amazing Race. I want to be on there. We've seen the show. It looks cool. Yeah, because up until now, it's kind of been like, oh, People haven't heard of it, or it's the first time it's happened, you know? Mm -hmm. So... That'll be interesting to see how many fans of the race we have going forward now. And he looks... They look way older. Um, yeah. 46, and the other one is 43. Dave is 43. They looked like they were in their 60s. Why do people <laughs> in these older seasons look so old? I don't know. But these know. guys look old. Yeah. 46? I mean, I don't want to be rude. They're nice people. So... Yeah. But they don't look 46. <laughs> no. Well, they seem nice people. I don't want to say. They might turn out to not be nice. Anyways, he has traveled quite a bit. Recently, he went to Kazakhstan with his wife and adopted his daughter, Olivia. And it was the most exciting moment of his life. Um, He's fascinated by different countries and cultures. And he loves golf, bowling movies, and Chicago sports. He describes himself as large, funny, and friendly. And compares himself to actor John Candy. He does seem like a nice person. Mm-hmm. They both they both seem pretty nice, yeah. like I said, so far. His partner, Dave, is 43. He <laughs> is also an air traffic controller. He works with Steve. He's been married four times. His children are all grown, and he's a grandpa. He loves woodworking and bowling and is a big fan of reality TV. He says he's funny, outgoing, and persevering. 
He doesn't know any foreign languages, but he can swear in Spanish. <laughs> he is a perfectionist, and that makes it tough to be overweight. Um, so, yeah, he, like, I don't know how to... Yeah, Wishes yeah. he had a more perfect body. Yeah. <laughs> His biggest upset was when he and Steve made an operational error together at work, causing two planes to get too close. Four miles was too close. <laughs> That's interesting. That is, yeah. Well. Four miles seems very far away <laughs> from yeah. each other, but huh. they were both decertified and had to go through retraining together. He wants to go on the amazing race primarily for the operate oh for the competition and believes he and Steve will do very well together. Next we have Riken and Chip, who are a married couple from Beverly Hills. Riken is twenty eight years old. He's a pilot and teaches at a flight school in Los Angeles. Obviously, when we say all of this, this is current time in 2003. Yeah. So I don't know what he's doing now. But <laughs> in 2003, he was a pilot and taught flight school in Los Angeles. He was a former U.S. Air Force officer and graduate of the U.S. Air Force Academy. He's married to his teammate, Chip. They love skiing and flying and the, uh, being physically fit. He says that he is detail-oriented, caring, and thrill-seeking. He speaks French, which should come in handy, and has traveled internationally quite a bit. <laughs> Riken says that his views on their relationship, his are much more liberal than Chip's. He enjoys flirting with other guys, but that makes Chip upset, which... That would make me upset, too. Yeah. <laughs> And I love this line because it says, Riken likens himself <laughs> to Ben Affleck. <laughs> uh, quote, unquote, intense. And says that Chip is like Bruce Willis, quote, unquote, steady and true. Hmm. And he doesn't like to procrastinate. He likes to get things done now. Chip is 36 years old, and he is a consultant that raises financing to set up projects in film, music, and multimedia around the world. He attended Yale and Harvard Business School. Um, he likes to hike in the mountains and participate in triathlons. He describes himself as determined, free-thinking, and mindful. And he says that he is like Winston Churchill. Steady, never say no, anything is possible. Wow, that's... Uh, yeah. pretty like <laughs> pretty sure of yourself yeah. comparison <laughs> he lived in hong kong for three years paris for six months and london for two years so mm. that's definitely also an advantage next we have millie and chuck they have been dating for 12 years and they are virgins <laughs> and apparently this is very important because because that's what their title says yes every time their names pop up throughout the whole episode i'm wondering if it's going to happen the whole season but like it's like Millie and Chuck dating, parentheses, virgins. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's very important. <laughs> I mean, that's weird. If you've been dating for 12 years, that's... Uh... It's kind of bizarre, but... So Millie, she's 29. She is an environmental teacher at the Tennessee Aquarium and describes herself as motivated, fun, a daredevil adventurer with no fears except for mayonnaise. <laughs> she has a BA in communication arts from Bryan College and has lived in Taiwan, teaching English, and traveled to Israel and Russia. She speaks French, Chinese, and some Russian. Wow. She was once on The Tonight Show after Leno bumped into her and her roommate and asked them to say stupid Baywatch lines in our shower. Wait, this is a weird sentence. Okay. 
Millie was once on The Tonight Show after Leno bumped into her and her roommate and asked them to, quote, say stupid Baywatch lines in our shower in bikinis, which we did. So she had a wild side somewhere deep down. That's really (laughs) random and I don't know what that means. (laughs) She enjoys volleyball, volleyball, water, skiing, rollerblading, snorkeling, and swimming. And she is praying that Chuck decides to get married or we need to move on. Because apparently Chuck is the one that is being, like, dragging his feet and is afraid of commitment. Yeah. It says... And she says that Chuck is hotter than Brad Pitt. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's pretty... I mean, I would not agree with that. (laughs) No. He's not ugly, but he's not hotter than Brad Pitt. (laughs) (laughs) No, very few people are. (laughs) She says... She admits that she's bad with money and speaks before she thinks and that they're both afraid to commit. They're both afraid to commit, but I think he's the one that's more afraid yeah, to commit. sounds like it. So Chuck is 28. He's self-employed. He worked as a valet, hauler, construction worker, a personal trainer. He has a BS in exercise science um, and enjoys playing tennis and skiing. He likes traveling, but has only been to Mexico and Canada. He speaks no foreign languages. He describes himself as being random, deliberate, and kind. Random and deliberate. Aren't those like opposite Opposite. that's like an oxymoron yeah (laughs) his fears while traveling are criminals if he has to sleep outside (laughs) and he considers himself slower than his teammate he says she's more fearless and less thoughtful and he tries to remain calm under pressure and he has a unique pouting manner honestly i feel like she's way out of his league like what is he yeah what is he dragging his feet on and what is she waiting for (laughs) I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, she's super cute. So if he's 28 and she's 29 and they've been dating for 12 years, they were like 16 and 17 when they started dating. Yeah. So. But she's done a lot with her life and yeah. lived in other places and they've like stayed dating. I don't know. I already kind of don't like him very much. <laughs> we'll talk about him later, I guess. We'll get to that. But we'll anyways, there, yeah. she's out of his league. <laughs> We next have Steve and Josh, and Steve is a corrections officer, and Josh is his son. They're trying to find common ground on this race. Steve is 47 years old. Um, He's a super... So, his job as a corrections officer is at a juvenile detention facility in Santa Barbara, and he says his biggest accomplishment is his 22-year marriage to his wife, Karen, and he's also a big fan of The Amazing Race. And his wife, Karen, challenged him to go on the show with Josh. According to Steve, Josh was ecstatic when he asked him to be his teammate on the race. Since then, Steve has been training by walking miles with a backpack every day, which is smart. Yeah. He likes to eat, wishes he had more willpower not to. <laughs> and him and Josh share a love of comic books. And he says he's a good negotiator and he's able to bullcrap his way through anything. Hmm. So Josh is 21. He's a computer technician attending junior college. His hobbies are skateboarding, music, and meeting new people. He describes himself as different, free, and happy. Um, He lists his accomplishments that he's very proud of. Um, that he once ate an entire bowl of butter for a dollar. A dollar? <laughs> <laughs> and 
he is disappointed that until recently his relationship with his father was so bad that he missed out on a lot. He has a mischievous, mischievous, mischievous. <laughs> he has a mischievous side and loves to stir things up. Are you thinking of the bad broadcast? Yeah. <laughs> Um, he and his dad share a messed up sense of humor and they're both stubborn, but comfortable with themselves. Um, Josh says that his dad is so conservative and it drives him insane. They're polar opposites. He's more liberal, a 180 degree change from the way that my father intended to raise me. So kind of sounds like, uh, Dennis and Andrew from last season. Yeah, but not so like hostile. <laughs> I don't know. It kind of sounds like they never got along. Dennis and Andrew was just like, they were too different. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Next we have Russell and Cindy. They are close friends, um, but she is wanting to take the relationship to the next level and he is not really interested <laughs> or is not looking for a relationship. Um, Russell is 32 years old. He's a model, actor, and entrepreneur. He describes himself as a hilarious <laughs> and a leader. <laughs> He loves the adventure of traveling and greatly dislikes losing or failing at anything. He admits he talks a lot and has an ability to get everyone involved. People say he looks like Mel Gibson, but he says he's like the TV character MacGyver because he gets things done. Mel Gibson in 2003. I don't know. Was he like handsome? But I don't see Russ. I don't see Mel Gibson in Russell. (laughs) I see Tony Romo. (laughs) Yeah, that's more, much closer, (laughs) for sure. Which is nothing like Mel Gibson. No. He calls Cindy a female film character, James Bond. I don't know what that even means. He is always on the go and cannot stand not to be doing anything. He claims to be very intuitive, which can be a great gift or a pain in the butt. About his going on the race with Cindy, Russell declares, some people may know their partners better, but that may be what makes us great to watch, the unknown or X Factor. And then Cindy, she's 39, and she describes herself as a former supermodel and currently an inventor. <laughs> Some of these these bios are weird this season. <laughs> I'm a former supermodel. And a current inventor. <laughs> what the? She loves to jet ski, play pool, and write stories. <laughs> play pool. That is so random. Like, why is that so funny? She describes herself as loyal, playful, and spontaneously adventurous to the point of insanity. She insists on winning. Quitting is not an option. Because of her Irish background and being passionate about life, Cindy must blow off steam, and she does so by telling the person off right to their face. She and Russell debate things constantly. She admits that both of them can get a little jealous and adds Russell more than me. But yet he doesn't want to be in the relationship. Yeah. Seems a little toxic to me. (laughs) (laughs) Cindy has lived in other countries such as Japan, Germany, Paris, Ireland, and Indonesia. She says she has always had a fantasy of being a jewel of the Nile situation with a man and hopes the amazing race will be that. I don't know what that means. I don't either. She says that she has a great deal of respect for Russell and that has never and that he has never disappointed her, but she says both have been so busy that they have had difficulty spending long periods of time together. So, so far, a lot of these teams have, like, lived overseas a lot. Mm-hmm. I only know, like, two people that have lived overseas. Mm-hmm. 
for like an extended period of time. Yeah. Where are all these people getting these jobs? And yeah, like it's so easy to live. Yeah. Overseas. <laughs> I guess if, you know, a bunch of applications are coming in and these people have traveled, they're probably more likely to be picked, but still. Mm-hmm. All right. So we have Monica and Cherie. They are friends, mothers, and wives of um, NFL players for the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons. Monica is 29, the mother of two. She was a previous Indianapolis Colts cheerleader. She holds a bachelor's in journalism, and she enjoys tennis, acting, and watching movies, considers herself outgoing, fun-loving, and very competitive. She fears snakes, bugs, and rats, and in conversation, anything gross is (laughs) off-limits. So you know that they're going to throw something gross at her. <laughs> Monica admits that her emotions affect her better judgment. She doesn't like cold climates. She understands a little bit of Spanish and has traveled to Antigua, Jamaica, Puerto Rico, and the Bahamas. So lots of Caribbean traveling. Cherie is 31. She has three kids and describes herself as outgoing, friendly, and patient and loves to experience new cultures and adventures. She says that her teammate Monica is completely organized, but Shuri is the complete opposite. She also has a bachelor's in journalism and had some college experience in TV production. She fears dangerous animals, reptiles, and weird-looking men. (laughs) (laughs) And she said... That she's game for anything unless bodily fluids are being discussed. She speaks a little French and has traveled to Paris, Amsterdam, Spain, the Caribbean, and Mexico. And she likes to blow off steam with a bubble bath and a glass of wine. Okay, a bottle. That's what it says. (laughs) That's funny. She trusts people too much and sometimes gets burned. Okay. So, yeah. All right, we have David and Jeff. They are best friends and they are bachelors that live in SoCal. Uh, David is 32 years old. He's an entrepreneur with an MBA from the University of Miami. He is an executive and owner of a marketing agency. He sold medical devices and worked as a personal trainer, had a football scholarship in college. He says he speaks Spanish well. Uh, David describes himself as ambitious, loyal, and passionate, and one of his favorite hobbies is working out. He loves traveling, especially to big cities. He has a fear of heights. Uh, David respects President George Bush because he thinks he's a great leader. <laughs> the blast from the past. Yeah. <laughs> David admits he is crazier than his teammate. He says he is in the race for the fun, the money, and most of all, the challenge. His partner, Jeff, is a commercial real estate broker and a designer and developer. He's 37, and he describes himself as goal-oriented, confident, and grounded. He also thinks of himself as a romantic who's looking forward to the day when he can settle down and start a family. He loves to surf, run, and paint. Uh, Jeff is a little more reserved than David and takes time to think through a situation before he dives in. His fears include heights and moving away from the beach. (laughs) He sets high expectations for himself and finishes what he sets out to accomplish. One of Jeff's real estate accomplishments included closing a $200 million lease agreement for a billionaire Marvin Davis with 20th Century Fox. So we have Amanda and Chris, and they have been dating for five years from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. 
David is 32 and an entrepreneur with an MBA from the University of Miami. So there's another. <laughs> no, <laughs> this is the same. He's an executive and an owner of a marketing agency. <laughs> no, the, he put both of them twice. So my husband, Jeff, does the bios for us. He like copies and pastes it from the website so that we don't know the order of the elimination. And oh. he put... David and Jeff's bio also under Amanda and Chris. <laughs> <laughs> it took us too long to realize that. I know. I was just like reading through. I was like, oh, what? Also that's interesting. Of <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, so I don't know. Do we look that up? I don't want to be spoiled. Because I don't remember who wins this season. Text him. Okay. I'll move on to the next one. Okay. <laughs> So Kelly and John, they are recently engaged and they are from Miami. Kelly is 30 and she has been modeling for the past 10 years. There's also a lot of models on this season. Yeah. Which is weird. And is an aspiring children's book writer. She met her fiance in a dive bar in South Beach, Miami. She admits to being high strung and obsessive. She's athletic, bossy, and silly. She enjoys scuba diving, running, and traveling and attended two years of junior college. They recently had a bad breakup on their three-year anniversary over getting married, but since then they've gotten engaged. Nothing's off limits in conversation. Kelly believes that she could fit in at the presidential banquet or at a frat party. Though Barbara Bush once told her at a VIP Texan party to stay away from George. What? <laughs> wow. That's very... <laughs> she gets motion sickness and fear, and has a fear of spiders, bees, heights, and sharks. <laughs> yeah. That's so... Uh... A weird random thing these people are just like trying to be interesting yeah <laughs> all right so john is from new jersey he's 28 he's a real estate agent and has worked as a model and bartender in the past he's an all-around good athlete and graduate of rutgers university he attended that on a lacrosse scholarship he enjoys skiing and boating and considers himself to be spontaneous competitive and funny John claims to have no fears, and he often blows off steam by playing football on the beach. He spent some time in Thailand with his teammate and has traveled to Italy, France, Holland, and the UK and Portugal. He speaks no foreign languages. He describes Kelly as very sympathetic for others, but admits that one of his pet peeves about himself is that he's extremely, extremely, extremely critical of other people. <laughs> Deborah and Steve, married parents for Indiana. I loved their quote. We're fat, we're 40, but we're fun. Yeah. <laughs> Deborah says, we come across as a sweet, loving couple, but we're not. She's 49 and has two grown kids from a previous marriage. Her and Steve have been married for eight and a half years after meeting on a co-ed softball team that Deborah started in order to meet single men. She has a bachelor's from Northeastern University and a master's from the University of Oklahoma and is the director of an artist's colony. Um, she describes herself as body outgoing. What's body? B-A-W-D-Y. Isn't that like, kind of like, like loud and thinks or, let's see, comical or humorous? Hmm. So that, outgoing and driven. <laughs> 
She enjoys walking, painting, and traveling. She's afraid of heights and dark waters. Mm, I'm afraid of dark waters. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> that literally gives me the chills to even think about it. <laughs> <laughs> and she gets jealous of her husband's devotion to his work. She blows off steam by cleaning the house. I wish that's how I blew off steam. <laughs> <sighs> I blow off steam by laying down on the couch. And yep. <laughs> <laughs> Just watching Netflix for three hours. <laughs> Um, she admits that she can be a controlling and dominating know-it-all. She speaks no foreign languages, but has traveled to France, Mexico, and Canada, and she refuses to eat fish. Same. Me and Deborah are like, <laughs> well, except for I don't clean the house when I'm blowing off steam. She thinks that she can do anything because she once raised money for opera in Oklahoma. Wow, that actually is pretty yeah. impressive. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't seem like that happened in opera place. <laughs> Steve says we can be sneaky, snide, and devious. He's 30, a radio news. That's what I meant. 40. I just like worded that out. (laughs) Sorry. A radio news director. So he's nine years younger than Deborah. And he says about the softball game that it was the great softball conspiracy perpetuated by his wife. But he considers their wedding the most exciting moment of his life. It's like, I mean, I need to take a page out of Deborah's book and seriously, yeah, start, start a softball, softball team. <laughs> oh my gosh, Sadie, that's like the best idea you've ever had. I'm not, I'm not body like her <laughs> or outgoing. I don't have, I don't, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, we'll think of something. Yeah. Softball or like volleyball or soccer or something. Well, sports. I've, no. Okay. <laughs> like, well, maybe what? pickleball. Okay, or like a book club. Oh yeah. <laughs> males only, except for me. <laughs> Single males in the book club, and I show up. <laughs> I host it at my house with like a glass of wine. It's like the bachelor. <laughs> the bachelorette. Will you accept this rose <laughs> in my house? <laughs> oh. yeah. Um, he has a bachelor's from the University of Scranton, and he describes himself as fun, fun, smart, and deceptive. Hmm. And he regrets that sometimes he lets opportunities slip through his hands. He speaks no foreign languages, but has traveled to Canada, Mexico, France, Germany, and Belgium, and has good people skills. <sighs> Finally, we're at the last one. I know these take a long time, so... <laughs> Okay, John and Al, they're best friends, and they are circus clowns. <laughs> we come across... Oh, wait. Who said oh, that? He did this again. Oh. We come across as a sweet, loving couple. <laughs> <laughs> wait, who said that? <laughs> so, Deborah and Steve's bio is also in Al and John's. We gotta fire Jeff. I know. Gosh. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> he just can't make a mistake again. <laughs> So we might have to come back because he's probably not paying attention, but we'll put him in after. Thoughts. Well, not not really some thoughts. Yes. <laughs> you have no thoughts. I can't even get them out. <laughs> just some observations that we have three Steves. Oh, yeah. Two Davids, two Johns, and then a Cherie and a Jury or Jure, yeah. I guess. Also, a Cindy and a Russell, which yeah. Cindy and Russell from season two were also yeah. a team. So, mm-hmm. do you remember anything about this season? 
Oh, no. I I don't know who wins, but I remember some of these teams. I remember Millie and Chuck. Pretty much we don't have to worry about me knowing anything until, like, season 25. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, I remember, I've watched them, but, like, my memory is so bad. Yeah. I also remember Kelly, the redhead, because mm, already I was kind of... She, I, I think, throughout this season, says baby a lot. And that it must have happened a lot if I still remember it after all this time. Hmm. Like, come on, baby, 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 hurry, baby. That's <laughs> like, interesting. Yeah, I think I, I remember Chip and Riken a little bit. But I, that's that's where my memory ends of this these teams. So and I do not remember who wins. So good. This will be a surprise. Good. So we are departing from LA this season from Dodger Stadium. We do the normal beginning of the first leg stuff where uh, Phil is telling him the rules. He says 13 legs in this race. Nine of them are elimination legs. Um, you get money that has to cover all of the expenses except for flights, uh, things like that. And he says, the world is waiting for you. Good luck. Travel safe. Go. <laughs> My favorite sentence. <laughs> they run to their bags in the stadium and they get their route info that says, get yourselves to Milan, Italy. There are only three flights available, and they're first come, first serve, and they're leaving from LAX. And they have $200 for this league. And it seems like nobody knows where LAX is. It's like it was difficult for people to find that airport, which was surprising because... Yeah. And there's even a lot of people of live, from yeah. Southern California. Yeah, and wh- wh- who was it? Was it Riken that works as a flight He's a pilot <laughs> in L.A. I don't know. It just seemed like everybody had kind of a hard time to getting to LAX. But Riken and Chip, they leave and they say, we know exactly where we're going. And they say people are going to follow us. Mm-hmm. So they're like trying to speed off. And then Tian and Jure. I'm, did you say, what did you say? Tian? Tian. But maybe it's Tian. I don't know. I don't know. They like can't get their trunk shut on their car. On their car, Yeah. It opens for them to put their bags in the back, and then it doesn't shut. And so one of them sits in the back to, like, hold it closed, but it still won't stay shut. So they had to get a replacement car. And it was one of those things, again, if it's no fault of their own, a replacement car will come, but they do not get a time... Mm-hmm. What is it called? Time credit. Time credit. But I'm, I'm like, why... How could it have broken, like, from know. one... Opening it once. I don't know. That really sucks. That's like a bad omen. I, yeah. <laughs> literally like the first, literally the very first thing that you do on the race, <laughs> your car breaks down. <laughs> I'm like, I just got to go home. <laughs> I'll come back next season. <laughs> Amanda in her little pigtails looks all sweet, but she's mm-hmm. like throwing out the f-bombs all over the place (laughs) she swears a lot like the whole episode so far they (laughs) they have to edit her a lot Mm -hmm. amanda she was the dating the five-year dating there from south dakota Mm -hmm. i kind of already get like weird vibes from cindy and russell and don't really like the dynamic already and he's because she's like so in love with him but he doesn't want to have a relationship with her and he's like, he says, like, 
I don't know how to deal with this. Like, what if she wigs out? Yeah, what if she goes crazy? Like, well, you guys... Are you thinking of flow? <laughs> yeah. Like, you guys haven't even started yet. <laughs> it is kind of a Zach and flow dynamic, but the opposite. Mm-hmm. But let's please not have that again. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're on the way to the airport. There's like a motorcycle cop that comes up alongside the teams and Monica and Cherie like roll down their window and they're like, where's LAX? Yeah. (laughs) They like ask the cop while they're driving (laughs) down a freeway. Yeah. And he's like, follow me. Yeah. Everybody was like, they're going to get pulled over. And he was just like, follow me. And he took them to the airport. I thought that was cool. Cause they're like, our uh, conversation skills will get us far, you know, and we're nice to people and people will be nice to us. Cindy and Russell are the first ones to get to the airport. They have to park in a specific parking lot. It's like parking one. Mm-hmm. Park one. Park one. And take a shuttle bus to the terminals to get to one of the three flights. So they are... The first flight to leave will be a Swiss Air flight. Four teams can be on that flight. It's supposed to arrive at 1.15. There's the second flight is Lufthansa. That one... Leaves at the same time, but it will arrive at one fifty-five. But they don't know that. I don't think they have the arrival times. They just know what time they leave. Yeah, but they know. Yeah, they know that like one, like flight one and then two, and then three will get there first, second, then third. But it says, like Phil says, number two will depart the same time as number one, but it arrives twenty minutes later. But when it, like, pops up as, like, the, you know, the info at the bottom, mm-hmm. it says it arrives at 1.55. That's, like, 40 minutes later. It's, like, 30 minutes later. 30 minutes later. Anyway. It's not, it's not correct what he said. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the third flight is KLM, and it departs one hour after the first two flights. And we'll have five teams. And, yeah, we'll have the five teams. Um... It was funny when Steve and Josh, the father-son team, arrive at the airport, <laughs> the parking lot. He's like, wait, we have to walk that far? And Steve's like, Josh said, we have to walk that far? And Steve's like, yeah, there's going to be a lot of walking on this trip. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> no, I think it was the opposite. Josh said that. Oh, really? Steve said, we have to walk that far? There's going to be a lot of walking on this trip. It's like, yeah, that's pretty much like... <laughs> yeah. The- it's a race. Okay, <laughs> pause. We have the updated bios. So, Amanda is 25. She's a medical technician at a hospital in Sioux Falls. She likes to read and listen to music, but she describes herself as emotional, but helpful and compassionate. She comes across as sweet and innocent, but underneath she's a tough, foul-mouthed girl, which we will find out. Yeah, she is. (laughs) Chris tends to be negative, but she tends to be positive. Her phobias include spiders, elevators, and the dark. And she's never traveled outside of the U.S., so she's excited to experience new countries and cultures. Chris is 28 years old and works as a freelance graphic designer. He has a very self-depreciating humor, calling himself abominable, cantankerous, and obnoxious. Those descriptions are obnoxious. (laughs) It fits. He admits that traveling takes him out of his comfort zone and causes nervousness. He doesn't like flying, and he has a fear of heights. 
and he plans on making fun of the other contestants during the race, but also scheme, betray, plot, and backstab more than any other contestant. Oh, great plan. (laughs) What a weirdo. Yeah. (laughs) But then he says, but Amanda will make peace with the other contestants so that we don't upset too many people. That's so annoying. (laughs) Do you want me to read the last one? Oh, no, I got it right here. Okay. So Al and John, they are... uh, Alan. Al and John. Yeah. (laughs) So Al and John are clowns. They're friends and clowns. (laughs) Yeah. John is 40. He's married with three children and lists his current occupation as human cannonball for the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. He's traveled with them for the past 20 years and has over 5,000 notches in his cannonball belt. (laughs) He graduated from Suffolk Suffolk Community College and has also studied at Disney Institute and Clown College. Is that one thing? The Disney Institute and Clown College? Or Disney Institute and and then Clown College? I was going to say, I didn't know Clown College was like a real thing. it was like a joke yeah (laughs) john is determined to win he fears getting into an accident and not being able to support his family that is that is a legit fear for his job (laughs) john enjoys golf cooking and watching sports and describes himself as friendly honest and ambitious he speaks no foreign languages and has traveled to mexico and canada he says his teammate Al most disappoints him with his lack of trust before performing together. Al gets so nervous he drives me crazy every time. John admits that he procrastinates and is a go-with-the-flow type, and Al gets stressed out. Of his clowning skills, John says, if I can pick it up, I can balance it on my nose or chin. <laughs> Interesting. His teammate Al is 34. He works as a substitute teacher and as a cruise ship entertainer. He holds a BA in special education. He is a people person and is no stranger to traveling. When in the circus, he lived on a train for six years, traveling the U.S. in a trailer for one and a half years in Europe and on a cruise ship for two years in the Caribbean. A train for six years. That's That's wild. He's been to the U.K., Finland, Denmark, Sweden, Russia, Estonia, Morocco, France, Italy, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, and Czechoslovakia. (laughs) That's a lot. He considers himself friendly, determined, outgoing, compassionate, and emotional, and he fears heights and eating yucky things. <laughs> <laughs> and so he fears getting sick with no help or getting stuck in a life-threatening situation with no way out. The only time his teammate John has disappointed him is when he doesn't follow through with things. John will be Mr. Nice Guy and they'll get screwed because he doesn't bluntly explain what the deal is. They sometimes argue, but if he's upset, Al usually gets quiet first, or he'll go off alone and scream out loud or have a good cry. Al's the motivator while John can waste time. Okay. Interesting. I'm trying to decide how I feel about them still. Yeah. yeah. The the clown thing could get obnoxious mm-hmm. quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see how this goes. Okay, so we're returning back to the airport. When they are taking the trains from, not the trains, when they're taking the buses from the parking lot to the terminals, 
there's like a group of people that are all kind of together and they get on the bus and the door closes and Monica and Cherie get right up to the door mm-hmm. and try to like knock and get on and they're like, no, leave without him. Go, go, go. And the bus doesn't open the door and it leaves without him and it kind of makes him mad. Mm-hmm. And who, who was even, who was it that said? I think it was John. John and his partner. Um, John number one. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly. Kelly's Kelly, John. Yeah, Kelly. She's like, that was so evil of you. Yeah, like, she's it really like, that's wasn't. going to come back to. That was just kind of like. Something. That was just kind of like playing a race. Yeah. But whatever. So, okay, so Russell and Cindy are the first on the Lufthansa flight. John and Al are the first on the Swiss Air flight. All of the teams now are kind of like arriving at the same time and like getting in the lines for these two airlines because they know that they leave first. So we know that some of these teams are not going to get on these flights. Mm-hmm. And then Millie and Chuck get up to the Lufthansa desk and they seem to have like made a little alliance with Amanda and Chris. So they're like, okay, we want to get on this flight. Is there enough seats for these people, this team behind us? And the person says yes. And Chip and Riken show up to Lufthansa, but they're, like, at a different lady. It was, like, kind of a confusing little moment, but the the first lady says, you guys can't get tickets. Like, there's enough for this team and the team behind them. And they were like, but we were here first. And they were like, no, we were here first. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It would be hard because they did get up to that counter with yeah. another agent before the team behind that team would have gone to the counter. Yeah. But, you know, she's the boss. She's giving the tickets away, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they leave because there's no more seats on Lufthansa. And then Kelly and John get on Swiss Air. And Steve and Josh also get on Swiss Air. And they see that Steve and Dave. This is going to be confusing mm-hmm. with all of these, like, Steve's. <laughs> yeah. So Steve and Josh are at the ticket counter buying tickets. And right behind them are Monica, Monica and Cherie. And then right behind them are Steve and Dave. The, the air, air traffic, traffic controllers. Yeah. And Steve and Josh, they're thinking, we want to form an alliance with Steve and Dave because they have so much experience flying. So we're going to buy them their ticket now mm-hmm. before Monica and Cherie can buy a ticket. Yeah. So they, yeah, like literally right in front of Monica and Sheree, they buy Steve and Dave's tickets. And that makes them very mad. Because then Sheree and Monica, there's not enough seats for them. And they they have to get on the third flight. Yep. That would make me mad too. It would make me mad. Also, I wouldn't look at Steve and Dave and be like, I want to be in alliance with you. They're nice people, but... It does being an air traffic controller really give you like that much like flying experience? Yeah, I'm like... They don't actually sit on the airplanes. (laughs) You stay in one place (laughs) and control the traffic coming in. You don't go out. I don't know. They're nice people, but I wouldn't be like, I have to form an alliance with you. I'm going to jeopardize another relationship right now. But they do. Yeah. But also, it's, I mean, part of the game. Yeah. So. Um, But yeah, Sheree and Monica were not happy about it. And they said that they were cheating and... Cheaters never win. Yeah, that was the title of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Cheaters never win, and they just cheated. So kind of a more run, a better rundown. So in the first flight is Steve and Josh, which are the father-son. 
John and Al, which are the clowns, Kelly and John, which are the engaged couple, and Steve and Dave, the air traffic controllers. Flight two are Amanda and Chris, who are the say, dating from South Dakota. Russell and Cindy, the friends, but weird. But maybe more. <laughs> Millie and Chuck, the 12-year dating virgins. <laughs> and then flight three is David and Jeff, which are the bachelor best friends. Riken and Chip, the husbands. Deborah and Steve, the... The married couple. The married couple. Tian and Jure, the models. And Monica and Cherie, the NFL wives. Yeah, well, because Tian and Jure, Dre yeah. were, like, way behind everybody because they had their car mm-hmm. mishap. So they definitely were not getting on yeah. any of the earlier flights. And they're in the airport, and they're, like, reor- reorganizing their bags, and they're already talking about how they have to get rid of a ton of stuff. <laughs> I'm like... Why were you... <laughs> you guys are just not prepared for this. No. I know the car was not their fault, but... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you haven't even left. <laughs> Chip and Riken and David and Jeff form a little alliance. And Chip and Riken, like, don't want to tell people that they're married. Yeah, they don't want people to know they're gay. And they're like, maybe when David and Jeff find out, they won't want to be in alliance with us. I'm like, well, then that just makes them terrible people. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't want to be in alliance with them. Yeah. But, but, yeah, they're kind of, like, keeping it a secret that they're gay. Which is sad and, like, crazy how... Yeah. I mean, we've come at least that far. In 20 years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I um, mean, David... Or Danny and Oswald have been our favorite team so far, so... Yeah, and they didn't keep it a secret. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, okay, well, when they get to... Milan. Mm-hmm. Did we ever? Did we even say that? Yeah, oh. it was just a long time ago. <laughs> oh, gosh, how long have we been talking already? <laughs> when they get to Milan, they're supposed to go to the Galleria Vittorio Emanuele the second. Yes, and that's all the route info we have at this point. Flight number one that was supposed to get there first got delayed, and it landed at 1.40, and flight number two lands at 1.50, so they're only 10 minutes apart, mm-hmm. which is not a big lead, which probably feels good for the flight number two. They kind of, like, land and see everybody at the airport at yeah, the same time. Yeah, they're like, oh, look, there's a Swiss air flight. That's them. Yeah. They get to the Galleria, and there is a clue box that has a route info that says, search the Galleria for tickets to a charter bus. You have to search the one mile of crowded storefronts for just, like, any... Like, they're just, like, these yellow tickets that have different times from the charter bus will leave. So the first charter bus will leave at 2 a.m., the second one leaves at 4 a.m., and the third one leaves at 6 a.m. But the thing is, once they get a ticket for the time, they cannot change that ticket time Mm -hmm. for a better one. And they seem... Some people don't really read that, right? Yeah. They seem pretty well hidden. Like, it's kind of hard to find them. Mm-hmm. But the 4 a.m. one must have been the easiest to find because everybody kind of comes to that one first. Mm-hmm. So Cindy and Russell pick the 4 a.m. time. John and Al, the clowns, also get that one. Chuck and Millie find the 2 a.m. and they tell Chris and Amanda about that one. And Amanda and Chris get to that 4 a.m. one and they read it before mm-hmm. they pull it. Yeah. 
which is very important because they're like, wait, there might be better than four. Yeah. And Russell and Cindy, they immediately they just, hold it and they're yeah. like, oh, we, sh- we can't change now. So. And like, how do you know? What? Yeah. 4 a.m. Because, they, yeah, they don't know 2, 4, and 6. They just know. But, yeah. Meanwhile, the third flight is arriving. And Deborah tripped. Was it? Yeah. Like in the the jetway. Jetway. <laughs> the, the word we learned last season. Yes. <laughs> I know. It's so sad. She falls down. Steve's like so nice to her, but. I know. They are a sweet couple. Steve and Josh, the father and son, get the 2 a.m. And Steve and Dave. Because <laughs> they told Steve and Dave where it was. Yeah. So they're still in that alliance. The husbands and the bro- and the bachelor friends. I already forgot their names. David so. and Jeff. Yeah. They heard from somebody that the trains are just as fast and predictable as taxis and cheaper. Mm-hmm. So they decided to take a train from the airport to the Galleria. Which, for me, I was like, that seems not, not very smart. On the very first leg, I wouldn't trust a train. Yeah. I'd take a taxi. <laughs> but. Yeah, because it was not faster. So the the teams from, like, the third flight are now arriving, and Deborah and Steve get a 6 a.m. ticket. And Josh helps Monica and Shuri get the last 4 a.m. tickets. Mm-hmm. So they said they're even. He makes amends with yeah. them. <laughs> Which was... A good time to do it, I think. Yeah, I think that was... That was wise. And so they're all waiting for the charter buses. And it's cold because it's January, like we said. So they're all, like, in their winter clothes. And they decide to get hotel rooms. Steve and Deborah, they're, like, at this hotel. And they say, like, the guy at the desk tells them how much it's going to be. And they're like, okay, we're going to go talk about it and come back. And after they had come back... All the other rooms were gone because, like, the other teams had shown up. Mm-hmm. So Chip and Riken were super nice, and they let them share the room with them. But, yeah, they're like, we just, we don't want them to know that we're a gay couple. Because it seemed like they left for a little while. And mm-hmm. Steve and Deborah were like, well, who's going to share what bed? Do they want to share a bed? Is that going to be weird? And she's like, I get to share a room with three men today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And the beds are like twin beds. Yeah. Two twin beds for four adults. <laughs> I wouldn't have offered to share, but I don't know. But De- like Steve is so mad at himself and he starts yeah, crying. Yeah, like Because he was like, it was my fault we didn't get a room and I disappointed her. And she's like, it's okay. I love you. You know? Yeah. They seem, they will seem very sweet. Russell and Cindy, they choose to sleep in their sleeping bags outside but before they like set up like camp, they go and ask a police officer if they can, if they can, if they can sleep s- outside. Yeah, s- they said well, sit, sit on a bench yeah. is what um, Russell says. Can we sit on this bench? And the cop said, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Cindy's like, sitting on a bench is very different than sleeping in a sleeping bag. And they already are fighting about something. Yeah. And he's like, what? You want me to go ask him if he wants to crawl in our sleeping bag with us and snuggle? <laughs> She's like, no, blah blah blah, and. They already are not getting along. So, that first bus leaves at 2 a.m. Uh, it has Millie and Chuck, Amanda and Chris, Steve and Josh, and Steve and Dave. And they're headed to... An unknown destination. 
Well, I guess before we leave Milan, let me tell you a little bit about Milan. Milan is a city in northern Italy. It's the second most populous city in Italy after Rome. It has 1.4 million people in the city proper and has 3.26 million in the metropolitan area. It is considered a leading global city and is the wealthiest city in Italy. It has the third largest economy in the EU after Paris and Madrid. Which really, like, London is not up there. Yeah. That, that was very surprising to me. Milan has been recognized as one of the world's four fashion capitals. Many of the most famous luxury brands in the world are head, have their headquarters there, which are including Armani, Prada, Versace, Moschino, and Valentino. It also hosts several international events, including Milan Fashion Week, it is a global center of tourism. It receives millions of visitors every year and is a major major cultural center. It has a lot of very important artworks, including some items or works from Leonardo da Vinci. The city is served by many luxury hotels and is the fifth most starred in the world by Michelin Guide. Milan will host the Winter Olympics and the Paralympic Games for the first time in 2026, but together with Cortina d'Empezzo, which is which is our next, next place, yeah, which I'll tell you about now. <laughs> <laughs> so Cortina d'Empezzo is a town in the heart of the Italian Alps, which are called the Dolomites in northern Italy. It's a summer and winter sport resort known for its skiing trails, scenery, accommodations, shops, and opera ski scene. What does that mean? What opera ski? Opera ski. Like A-R-P-E-S. A-R-P-S-K-I. I have heard the word before, but I just, like, don't know. A-R-P-E-S? A-P-R-E-S. A-P-R-E-S-K-I. I have no idea. It comes from French. It translates to after skiing. It encompasses all, any or all the entertaining social. I was going to say, like, sounds like music in the lodge. activities. <laughs> yeah. You do after skiing is done. That makes sense. And it is known for its jet set destination and the Italian aristocratic crowd. Um, the history of this place, it's changed rulers throughout history between like the Roman Empire, the Habsburgs, Austria, Italy, back and forth. And then it was annexed from Austria in the 60s or something like that and became part of Italy officially. Today, the local economy thrives on tourism, particularly during the winter season, when the population of the town increases from 7,000 to 40,000. There are 72 ski trails in the area. The ski trails are part of the Dolomite Super Ski System, which is the largest ski area in the world, containing a single pass. Although Cortina de Pezzo was unable to go ahead with the scheduled 1944 Winter Olympics because of World War II, it hosted the Winter Olympics in 1956 and will host the Winter Olympics for a second time in 2026 with Milan. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know if I knew that they had an Olympics there before. Yeah. Tina. And like doing the research, it, there's lots of pictures of it in winter and summer and it looks so beautiful in the summer, like so green, mm. but it is a very, very short summer. I yeah. mean, it's a ski destination, but yeah, it looks like a really pretty place, but it's very expensive. It seems like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so the 
these charter buses head out. The first one leaves at 2 a.m. They don't know where they're going, but they are going to Cortina. And the bus drops them off in like this little town square. And the clue that they get says to go to Cinque Torre and ride the chairlift to the top. What does Cinque mean? Because there's like Cinque Terre. Is like that coastal town. Mm-hmm. So is it like city? It's from the word five. Cinque is five. Oh, okay. Let's see. Tori is Ooh, like my a computer's tower. gonna die, and I don't have my cord. Oh, we gotta go quick. <laughs> I'm just wondering if it's like five, like like five, five peaks or five mountains oh, or something maybe. like that. And then they follow the path to the route marker when they get there at the top of the gondola. Um, they have to take a bus. From where the charter bus drops them off and they get that route info, they have to take a bus to the, the chairlift. chairlift. And when they get up to that route marker, there's a detour and it's search or rescue. So search is you can use a locator beacon to search a large snowfield for a signal under the snow and find the key, a key which goes to a snowmobile that you will drive to your next clue. And rescue is you cross an alpine rescue bridge constructed of steel cables and then use a zip line to cross a deep ravine. And all the teams from this first bus do rescue. Yes. All of the teams in all of the buses yeah, do rescue. Yeah. <laughs> all, everybody does rescue. Nobody does search. Which I would have for sure picked. Yeah. It doesn't look like... I mean, you're over a deep ravine, but you're not doing like a drop or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't look too scary. Have you ever been ziplining? Yeah. But like, not like a huge zipline. Like, over something huge. Just, like, a fun zipline that's, like... I did ziplining. It was, like, 16 ziplines in Puerto Vallarta. Hmm, that's cool. So it was, like, over the jungle and over the rivers. It was way cool. Hmm. This um, looks like a pretty one as well. Yeah. <laughs> so Chris and Amanda are the first to get the clue they finish the detour and the clue says to go to the pit stop um so they don't have a roadblock yeah no roadblock which is annoying on the first leg i know they have a lot to fit in on the first leg but like you need another chance to be able to not yeah let me need it and well phil says they have to take a grueling hike back to the chairlift and he is right about that because mm-hmm. all of these teams struggle mm-hmm. like getting back to the chairlift and going down to the hotel so the hotel Lajadira is like a ski lodge in the alps and that's the official place of the pit stop mm-hmm. steve and dave are very slow compared to the others <laughs> they are really struggling going up and down i bet this is really high altitude it's very cold like the snow is deep it's hard to hike in snow mm-hmm it looks really hard. It does. Then Dave, like, falls down on his way down the hill after they finish the zipline and hurts his knee, which is not a good thing to happen at the beginning of the race. No. And they're, like, wearing, like, tennis shoes and khaki pants and yeah. it looks cold. and Like jeans. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, he perseveres. Um, the second bus comes before those teams really check in and they're like finishing up uh-huh. as the second bus arrives so they're in the town and they have to take the tr- the transportation to the chairlift and 
Monica and Cherie are, they say it's taking them too long to get a taxi. And they're really worried. And they're, they decide to do the fast forward. Yeah. Which, what? I know. You're in the second bus. There's literally. There's four other teams behind you. Why would you Two hours behind you. Yeah. I know. Why? I thought this was crazy. And it sounds like a hard one, too. Yeah. They you have, have to, to like, put climb. on, yeah, you have to put on snowshoes and trek up to the top of a hill and get a clue. And it looks really hard. Yeah. I'm, like, annoyed with them that they chose to do it. I don't know. They said, like, hopefully we can just get ahead and then do the rest of it on our own. So, but whatever. But, but they weren't even behind. I know. And they had, like, two hours to look for a taxi. Like, mm-hmm. they were, like, so worried that the taxi weren't coming. But, anyways, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they choose to do it, and they get up to the top of it, and it says, go to the pit stop. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, everybody else is getting a clue that says, go to the pit stop. It literally... They're not even skipping a roadblock. Yeah. With this fast forward. They're just the same. It's literally took them like the same amount of time it would have taken them to do the detour. Yeah. That is so annoying to me. I'm like still annoyed by the t- from the time I watched it hours ago <laughs> to now, obviously. <laughs> yeah. This was one of the times where like Amanda and Chris, they were talking like Chris was ahead of Amanda and he was yelling at her and she was swearing at him and. They just don't talk nice to each other. I think he said, come on, Flo. Really? I think so. I rewound it a couple times, and I think that's what he said. Like, come on, Flo. Wow. <laughs> Which that's is interesting. Uh, not a compliment no. at all. I mean, he is being rude. And then they get on the ski lift, and he's like, I'm sorry, dude. I'm like, don't call her dude. <laughs> don't call me Flo or dude. <laughs> <laughs> Check in Millie get down to the bottom of the hill and they still want to keep their little alliance together so they wait for chris and amanda and then also steve and josh mm-hmm. i guess has joined this little yeah pod and they all check in at the pit stop pit stop at the same time yeah like they the tied for time. first place and they all win a hawaiian vacation yeah That's courtesy of american airlines and they were probably like hey we said two people, not six. <laughs> yeah, American Airlines is like, um, that was not the deal. <laughs> Phil's like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? <laughs> yeah. And so team number four is Monica and Cherie. Yeah. What a waste. They can't use that the whole season. And that was literally that was, a waste. Yeah. Kelly and John, I don't even know what was happening, but on my notes it says they seem to have a supportive relationship. Kelly and John are... The recently engaged, engaged couple. Yeah. I don't know what's happening, but they are supportive of each other. Yeah. Well, Kelly was a little bit scared of, like, on the zip line. And it was funny because she, like, compared it to marriage. And Don was like, I don't know how this compares to marriage, but okay. But <laughs> I didn't hear that part, I guess. I missed a lot of little details because I was literally struggling so hard to watch this. My daughter, I didn't, I was going to watch it when she napped, but I decided to take a nap. <laughs> And then she was awake and I literally, it was like, I could not get her and keep her entertained. I was watching it on my phone and taking notes on my computer. And I was like, pretty much like bribing her with candy, like throwing candy at her. Like, go, go over there. (laughs) Anyways, so a lot of little details I missed, but. That's okay. I I got through it. Literally, by the end, she was just, like, pounding on my computer keys. And I was like, (laughs) okay, this is... 
Well, um, the clowns, like, basically run across that cable bridge. Oh, yeah. They look like they have. I was like, this is right up their alley because yeah. this is what they do for a living. He's like, it's just like a tightrope. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. We Okay, so we said Monica and Shree are team four, right? So mm-hmm. Steve and Dave were team five, and yeah. they, did, they struggled real hard to get out of there. Mm-hmm. And Dave says, we have our strengths. We don't know what they are yet, though. <laughs> yeah. We don't know either. <laughs> so bus three is now arriving in the town. And then Tian and Dre have to call for a taxi. And Dre goes up to, like, this coffee shop. And she says, they're offering us a coffee. You'll have to go rewind it. She sounds like Aquafina. The way she says that oh, really? is sounds. I was like, "Whoa!" Oh, I like, didn't catch that. It took me a second. I was like, "That sounds like somebody." That sounds like somebody. So I, yeah. Well, that's funny. She was like, "For free?" And yeah, like, yeah. And so she's just like sitting there drinking her coffee, and uh, Tian is like outside getting a taxi. <laughs> she's just like enjoying this <laughs> coffee and uh, like the Alps of Italy. <laughs> yeah, they don't seem like they're really like they don't have their head in the game in mm-hmm. this for sure. No. Kelly and John are team six. John and Al are team seven. Russell and Cindy are team eight. So we, we obviously know that these last four teams from this third bus are kind of just like racing to not be eliminated. And they're running. All They're like always <laughs> running and they're just falling and falling. Deborah and Steve especially. They just like fall over and over again. Oh, like one time Steve literally like rolls down the hill. <laughs> and I knew they would like struggle to yeah. do that hike out. I. Yeah. So I went to Sundance and we had to like hike up the hill to go to the parking lot. Mm-hmm. I literally, I thought my heart was going to explode because there's like a group of people. So like there's a bunch of people behind you, mm-hmm. so you can't stop. So you just have to keep going and going and going. And it's a steep hill and it's far. And I got to the top and I was like, I cannot breathe. I feel like my heart is going to pound out of my chest. So I have to like, just like lay the seat back in the car and like lay down for a second. <laughs> So that was just two days ago, and then I watched this, and I was like, I know what they feel like. We have to get in shape. I know. That was, yeah. So all the teams have, like, done the crossing, except for the last two teams are Deborah and Steve and Jure and Tian. And so Deborah and Steve are doing it before Jure and Tian, and Deborah is so, so slow. Literally, I'm like, is she stopped? Even moving? (laughs) She... Like, so slow. If I was behind her, I'd be so frustrated. <laughs> and they were. They were. Literally, I literally was like, I feel like she's going backwards how slow she is. <laughs> like, I know people are scared. And yeah. Like, I don't want to be so judgmental, but I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. It, and like, Steve the- literally was on the other side waiting for her and being so supportive. You got this. You're yeah. doing such a good job. And I'd be like, hurry up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. And the, the camera, like, goes to... Tian and Dre's faces and they were like their eyes were like oh my gosh <laughs> and they start crossing it before she's even across yeah they're like we're coming behind you you gotta go and but they actually help her like when she's at the end Deborah's at the end and she like can't get up over that little ledge they mm-hmm. like help her up and they're like she's like thanks girls thanks and they let yeah. him pass them well Steve's like don't push her because they literally oh yeah kind of like, don't push her off the mountain she's like her. I've got her yeah <laughs> And they're like, sorry, but we're going to pass you. And she's like, oh, it's okay. And, but it's, yeah, it's just like, we're going to pass you because you're going so slow. I would pass them too. If it seems like we're talking really fast right now, it's because we are. Because my computer is going to die and I didn't bring my cord. 
it's like on like the warning so we better hurry (laughs) so um let's go i don't know where i am i'm like nervous now okay so my computer did end up dying and this is now what like a week later that we're recording this last few minutes (laughs) but we saved the first part of the podcast thank goodness because that would have been bad if we would have had to record all of that so we don't sound as rushed now yes (laughs) (laughs) um so we were talking about how david and jeff went down the hill to where the snowmobiles were which were supposed to be used for the other detour they thought they were going to use them to get back to the pit stop or something like that so that took them out of their way and at the moment, there's, like, three teams that kind of seem like they could be neck and neck for last place. Mm-hmm. David and Jeff, Tien and Dre, and Steve and Deborah. And, yeah, so that's kind of, like, who's going who's gonna to be out? Who's going to make it first? And that seems like going to the snowmobiles was, like, a big mistake. But it turned out not to be that bad. <laughs> yeah. But um, just, like, right in here. In case we didn't mention, Riken and Chip were Team 9. That's what I was just saying. Right in the middle of all this, Riken and Chip checked in as Team Number 9. Okay. <laughs> we're trying to, like, get our bearings and figure out where we're even at. So, okay. Riken and Chip are Team 9. Tian and Jeray, they're having a hard time find, finding a taxi to get back to the city for a pit stop. And Steve and Deborah are just really slow. Yeah. <laughs> They're having a hard time, like, going down the hill. Steve, like, literally tumbles down the hill. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of stressful. Team number 10 are David and Jeff. So, like I said, that snowmobile thing wasn't too Mm -hmm. bad. And then Tian and Dre check in as team number 11, which means that Steve Steve and Deborah Deborah are team number 12, and they are eliminated. And they are really sweet, and they are, like, super supportive of each other, and they, I mean, they're sad, mm-hmm. but, man, that was, like, a really, that was a very physical first leg. Yeah. And, like I said, I didn't like that they didn't have a roadblock. There literally was one thing to determine who was mm-hmm. going to be eliminated first, which I didn't like. I did, I really did like Steve and Deborah. I think they had nice personalities and i wanted them to i wanted to see them go further yeah i don't think they would have won but i wanted to see them go further yeah they seem a lot nicer than a few of the teams that are left but yes well their race average is 12 (laughs) because they were in one leg and post race so now in 2023 deborah is 69 oh wow and steve is 60 and Deborah is an artist, and she posts some stuff on her Facebook, but that's, like, all she posts, and it's not a lot. And I don't, I didn't see anything on Instagram or any other, like, websites or anything for her. And Steve, he had a lot of posts on Facebook, like, 10 years ago, like, a lot, like, every day, but now is not as active. But he <laughs> is a radio reporter in Michigan. So I was able to find him, I think on LinkedIn or something like that. Hmm. And he's a fellow Eagles fan. Nice. Not that I really care that much about football. (laughs) 
I just picked the Eagles one year and have stuck with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's been. So I have, we live in Utah. I have no tie to the Eagles. Yeah. I just <laughs> picked them randomly. So, yeah, that's really all there is about them. I just, I did, I found it interesting, like their, their little profile on the Amazing Race Wikipedia says, quote, overweight and out of shape they hoped to use their intellect to keep up with the com- with their competitors however their lack of physical ability doomed them to be the first team eliminated when they faced a very physical leg in italy <laughs> that's kind of sad i know <laughs> like wow okay it was a physical leg it really was it looked really hard there wasn't really any anything that had to do with their brain mm-hmm. so that is the season premiere of, of season four. Season four. We usually end these episodes by guessing where we're going next, but we can't do that because we've already seen episode two. And yeah. We're about to record it right now. Mm-hmm. I would have guessed that they were staying in Italy, though. So, yeah. And I probably would have, too. Yeah. So, we will see what this season brings. We're really excited. I think I there's a lot of teams that I like, and I mean, it's, the, it's early still, so yeah. we'll get to know them and see how it goes it seems like there's a lot of romantic teams yeah a lot of dating couples there's not a lot of like siblings i mean there's not even any siblings i don't think no i don't think there's like a father son and then there's some friends but a lot of them are yeah romantic couples which will be interesting yeah a little bit of a different demographic Mm -hmm. this season okay well We're going to stop this and come back in about 30 seconds for (laughs) episode two. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening. This is the Amazing Rewatch podcast. You can email us at theamazingrewatch at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at theamazingrewatch. Or you can join our Facebook group, the Amazing Rewatch podcast. Please like, rate, and review, and share with your friends, and reach out to us. We love to hear from you. Thanks for your support, and thanks for listening. Bye.